Welcome to the Queen Trail Podcast. Meditation doesn't have to be sitting still and having an empty mind. The journey is such a beautiful thing because we are all on a journey. You want to make sure you have some kind of distribution plan, at least have an idea of it, because you can make this really amazing film and it only gets seen by your family and friends. Old Hollywood is still intact. Every horse runs hard, but when they win, and they know it. They've got this little sass about them. It was pretty rough. I had to go into the water and with my med pack, swim to the beach, treat these guys, put them on my back, swim out to the helo. And I'm like, oh my God, I've never seen those before. And I said, what are those? And before I could even finish the sentence, she said, oh my God, you didn't touch them, did you? Even if monarchs go away and we never see one again, because there never will be monarchs again if they die out, it is just a little indicator of larger threats my dad said, so what were you guys doing in the desert? And I said, we were taking nude photos. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I hope you've had a great two weeks now since the last time that we got together. I took a little break there. I went to Korea, South Korea. It was a really wonderful trip. And you might hear that my voice is a little more nasally or a little more scratchy than normal because I came back with an extra souvenir, which is COVID. I'm starting to feel somewhat better, but we got back and that whole reverse time travel is crazy. So on the way out, it takes about 13 hours to get there because you're flying against the rotation of the earth. Well, coming back, it works in your favor. And it's like a 10 and a half hour flight. And um, we masked up on the plane, we on the trains, anywhere that it was really crowded. I don't know where I got it from. But on that day, we left Korea at 1.30 in the afternoon, flew for 10 and a half hours, and landed on the same day at 8.15 a.m. So that's why I call it reverse time travel. And so, you know, by the time you get here, you have been awake for a really long time and you still have hours to go to stay awake because you want to sync back up into the local time as quickly as you can. I was going to say easily, but like there's no easy with that. And I don't know what the best way is to deal with jet lag, but I just started feeling chills. I was dropping things. I was bumping into things. I mean, at one point, we realized that we just did not want to cook and we were going to order out. So I sat at my computer and just stared at the browser after we'd already discussed what we were going to get and from where. I couldn't remember my brain fog was so terrible. And I thought, you know, this is really bad jet lag. And a good night's rest will take care of it. The next morning I woke up and I still had chills and I had a swollen lymph node, sore throat, really bad headache. And I thought, you know, I better test. And sure enough, I have COVID. So I'm getting over that. And it's funny because the second day I was back, it was about noon. And I finally decided that I could eat something because we did order that first night, but nothing tasted good. I didn't want to eat. I just really needed to just crash. And the following day, (laughs) I just spent it alternating between the couch and my bed. And it wasn't until 
the day after that, that I finally felt better and decided to have a cup of coffee. It had been almost a full two weeks since the last time that I'd had a cup of coffee because in Korea, you would think that there would be a lot of tea shops, but that's not the case. Koreans love their coffee. And everywhere you go, like every third or fourth storefront is a coffee shop. It's coffee, coffee and pastries, coffee and beer. That one kind of cracked me up. And I was just really surprised. So um, one of the other things that I did when I went there is I had decided I wasn't going to go into American establishments, like any of the fast food corporate places that were over there, simply because I can go at home. And I wanted the authentic Korean experience. I wanted to get things and try flavors that I couldn't try here. So we go into one of these coffee shops. And the thing that you quickly realize is that they don't really serve coffee there. <laughs> what they serve is milk with syrup and a little bit of coffee tossed in there. And, you know, just for the record, some of some of the places do have soy milk or uh, I think they had oat milk. I can't remember because I just kind of gave up coffee while I was there. But the milk is very different than it is here. Like you hear a lot of people saying that they don't do dairy. And I am definitely one of those people. But then they can go to Italy and have gelato, or they can go to Germany and drink the milk there. And it's the same thing in Korea. Like, I don't know what the difference is, but it doesn't upset your stomach at all. At least it didn't upset mine. And that has always been my experience with dairy in other countries. So I, I did have one of the drinks there. And I thought, this is not coffee. I mean, this is really not what I want. I'm just used to making my cup of black coffee. And I do throw cream in there. I don't throw sugar, but I do add dairy-free creamer to it. And that's all that I wanted. Um, and it's not a latte. It's just like a couple of tablespoons of cream. So we go into the Starbucks this one day. And I asked first, knowing that everything was a milkshake, basically, do you have sugar-free syrup? And the barista says, we don't do sugar-free in Korea. And it kind of cracked me up because I joined a Korea travel group based on a recommendation from one of my friends that said that I should see if there was a group of people who had traveled or who lived there that had some information to provide on Korea. And it was one of the greatest pieces of advice that I've ever received. And one of the things that they kept posting about was how sweet everything in Korea is like it's super sugary and somebody even posted like they ordered garlic bread at an Italian Korean Italian restaurant and were immediately sorry to have ordered it because it was like sweet bread with garlic on it and that really worried me because I'm not big on overly sweet things but I can say that my experience is that everything that I ordered in Korea, for the most part, was not overly sweet. So maybe American food it has more sugar than other parts of the world does. 
But, you know, I make my own food most of the time and I'm not adding sugar to it. So I didn't find it overly sweet. But the fact that she said, we don't do sugar-free in Korea really cracked me up. So then I said, can I please have an Americano with cream? And she was very confused. So apparently they don't do cream either. And so that's why I just kind of gave up coffee. And it wasn't really that big of a deal. I sometimes will forget to have coffee for like two, three weeks. And then one day I'll be like, oh, a cup of coffee sounds good. <laughs> so um, so it wasn't that big of a deal. There were so many different things that I could eat and new flavors and textures and food combinations that, you know, who cares? It's just coffee. Um, but anyway, I get back, I'm dealing with these COVID symptoms. And uh, we got back on Sunday. So this is Tuesday about noon, I'm having this cup of coffee. And I had an enormous cup of coffee, like it, it was probably 16 ounces, you know, it was quite a bit. And about an hour later, probably not even that much, all of a sudden, I was healed. <laughs> and coffee's had that effect on me before. I remember this one time, I purposely gave up coffee. I was like, let's do this caffeine cleanse. I was probably a week and a half into it. And I was fatigued and headachy and just this malaise. And I'm like, I'm sure that I'm fighting off some bug or something. And I happened to walk into the staff lounge where I worked at and I could smell coffee and it was a cold day and I thought I'm gonna have some and there was only like a quarter cup left in the coffee pot and so I poured it for myself and again I was like healed <laughs> and I just thought wow caffeine is really reviving and so I thought I was on the mend. And then the following day, I had chills again, I had a fever, I was dying. Um, so you know, this COVID thing is not any fun. But I think everybody's like, you know, everybody knows what what COVID is. I wanted to talk about the travel group, this travel group that I joined, which thanks to my friend, I so highly recommend that if anybody's going to travel to a country that they've never been to, like try to learn some words or some phrases of that language, and maybe how to read it. Korean is really easy to read. So I learned that pretty quickly. But despite my ability to read things, I didn't know what I was saying all of the time the majority of the time, really. So it really helps to know some of the phrases and some of the language. And that helped me out. And the second thing that I would recommend is to join a travel group. And this one's on Facebook, I'm going to give them a shout out because they were so incredibly helpful. I just I can't even tell you it's called Korea Travel Guide. It started by a guy named Alex Kim. It's just he basically built a family. There's people on there who live in Korea, who travel to Korea all the time, first time travelers, and everybody's just throwing questions out there. And other people are answering them. So I was in the group that was throwing questions out there. And now I'm in the group where I can answer some of the questions. For example, yesterday, somebody had a question about the KTX and not being able to get tickets, although they purchased a pass. The KTX is Korea's bullet train. And they were really worried that they weren't going to be able to get the seats. And so we had the same 
issue. We purchased a pass, we weren't able to get our seats next to each other. And they have these co-rail offices. And she was doing the same thing that we did. We started in Seoul at the Seoul station and took the KTX to Busan. And um, both places have an office. So I was able to tell her what our experience was. And then she wrote me back. I mean, this is how friendly this group is. So they do everything from telling you how to get around the city, what to see, what the best hotels are for your budget or for what you're looking for. A lot of people want to stay in a hostel. You know, they call them guest houses. They'll tell you which ones are the best, what apps to use. You know, there's apps for taxis. There's apps for getting around. They have something called Naver in Korea, which is a GPS that is Korea specific. And I can't tell you how helpful that app was for us to get around the subway system, the buses, to plan what places we were going to get to because we did everything without getting a vehicle. We weren't there long enough for me to get a car. I think if we had been there for a month or so, I definitely would have rented a car. But their transportation system is amazing. And beyond that, I just have to say that everything is so clean. You know, I was joking with a friend of mine. And I said, when the astronauts are in outer space, and they look back at Earth and see that gleam reflecting back at them, they're like, oh, there's Seoul or Korea's metro transportation system, because everything is spotless. And one of the first things that I noticed when we got off the plane was they have a really beautiful airport. I mean, it's like wooden framed walls. They have these digital murals that go for, I don't know, they go for a really, really long way. And they're very whimsical. It's a lot of fun. And I see this staff person polishing the wooden windowsills that are very low to the ground. You know, they're they're maybe two feet up. And she was just polishing this. And I was like, wow, that would never happen at LAX. Um, LAX is just very institutional. And I know they're doing a lot of upgrades. So I hope that there's a, a lot of beautification projects that are going on there. But you get to these other airports in the world, and they're really incredible. So I did notice that, and it made a little bit of an impression on me. And then we get on the bus to get to our hotel, and it's immaculate. Immaculate. There's curtains on the window, no trash anywhere. The seats are clean. They have seat belts. You're literally like getting on with a conductor. This conductor comes down the aisle, makes sure that everybody's seat belted in. They put our luggage in the hold. When we got to our destination, the driver got off and took our luggage off and pointed us in the right direction. I mean, the streets no litter. And one of the things that cracks me up about that, or, you know, it's just like, I don't even know if it cracks me up, but it's just, it, it's, it just confuses me so much, is how clean everything is. And then you'll go to like, one of the food markets, and you get street food, because you want to try everything that they're cooking. I mean, they have such a selection of stuff, again, 
that is not available here. And so you're walking around going, ooh, I'm going to try this, I'm going to try that. And they give it to you in a little paper cup or whatever. And there's no trash cans. (laughs) There's like literally no trash cans. And you're walking around for, I carried a paper cup with me uh, for 45 minutes before I found a trash can. Even the bathrooms, we were in Busan on the food alley in Hyundai Beach. And I thought, I'm going to go into the bathroom and throw this away. I don't see a trash can anywhere. And there was no trash can in the bathroom. I was like, what the heck? So that's one of the things that is just really incongruous to me. And also everything is slathered, like mayonnaise is their butter and they put it on everything and really thick. So, you know, just imagine you're biting into a burger. That was one of my mistakes. I did purchase American food one day and that's really dicey anywhere that you go in the world, you know, like you really want to eat as much as possible the local fare, because that's what they excel at. I mean, like it's gonna blow your taste buds away. But there was one day where I said, I really want a burger today. And they put, I don't know, two inches of mayonnaise on it (laughs) and some other sauce and I bit into it and it was instantly everywhere. So this is the other thing that confuses me is like everything is kind of messy, you know, like fried food at a lot of these street food vendor places, or they put um, different sauces on, you know, a skewer of chicken, ice cream, they have these um, ice creams that they add a honeycomb to it, and then they put some honey on top of it. And so that's really sticky, right? And they don't give you napkins. (laughs) Like, That's the other thing. They dress impeccably. So I'm looking at these impeccably dressed Koreans walking around without a drop of sauce or sticky ice cream or freaking mayonnaise on them and clean hands and it's not all over their faces. And I'm like, how do they do this? Like, I really felt like the messiest eater. Like I just learned the concept of how to try to be neat. And sometimes they'll give you napkins and the napkins are two squares of what here in the States looks like toilet paper. It's not toilet paper product, but it is very, very thin. Like, you know, those napkins that you'll go to a taco stand or something and they have the super cheap napkins. And rather than using one or two, you're like grabbing 500 of them because they absorb so much that like all of a sudden you don't really have a napkin that's usable. So it's that sort of thing. Um, But the cleanliness really blew me away the lack of graffiti. One of the differences is that they do have CCTV everywhere. And I didn't think it was a bad thing. You know, first of all, I'm not going to be doing anything where I worry about it. Most of the time, I didn't think about it. But there were a couple of times where it was really evident what a great thing this was. You know, so I'm from Los Angeles and I love my city. I I love going to all of the different places in LA. And I go to a lot of concerts or events over at the Coliseum or Bank of California Stadium, which is over in the Exposition Park area. And so if you're from Los Angeles, you're familiar with trying to find parking over there and what that area is like. 
And usually I go for the cheap parking. There's a parking lot that's on the other side of an overpass over there. And under that overpass, there's usually some homeless encampments. And I've never traveled through there by myself. Yeah, I always go with a group. But you know, it's a little stressful because you kind of feel like you're taking your life in your hands. There's cars zipping through there. There's traffic from the freeway overhead, the smell of fumes and dirt and all of that. And you know, then there's there's people stumbling around who live there. And it's dark and it's different. And so you just kind of you know, you're you're a little bit wary. I've never had a bad experience. And some people would just say this is the quintessential Los Angeles experience. I mean, when you live here, this is what you're used to. And you just accept it. You know, it's I'm not complaining about Los Angeles. Los Angeles is, again, a wonderful place. And it's where I live. And I love it. Um, But I am comparing this particular experience with that one, because that's exactly what I did when I was in Korea we ended up walking around the entirety, like circumnavigating this palace, which is enormous. We weren't using the right app and it took us on this ridiculous circuit. And part of it was going into this underground tunnel that ran parallel to something like what I just described. There was traffic zipping through next to us and there was nobody in this tunnel. Like it went forever. It was just me and Sophia. The tunnel was one, enclosed. So there was stone walls and then there were windows, very thick windows in between. So you could see out where the traffic was. It was so cool, just this great temperature. And it was all CCTV and we walked into that. It was spotless. And I don't think that they're big gum chewers in Korea either. So there's no gum stains. There's no trash in there. It is squeaky clean, spotless. We had absolutely no qualms about being the only two females inside of this tunnel that was probably about a third of a mile long. And I mentioned the coolness because one of the things that we noticed is everywhere we went, it was really warm. Our rooms were super warm. I mean, we were like sweating in the middle of the night trying to figure out how to get the AC on. I mean, even the toilet seats in our rooms were heated and we didn't turn the heat on them. And that's just, I don't know, I'm assuming from my experience, they like things to be very warm. And I am somebody who would rather have to layer up because it's too cold than try to take the layers off and cool off because you can only take so many layers off before you can't be outside anymore. So I don't really enjoy the heat. I never have, even as a kid. I've always run warmer than probably everybody else in the room. And I would rather be in a cool place. I could have spent a couple of hours in that tunnel, to be honest. And so this tunnel being blessedly cool was just such a treat to walk through. And not just that, blessedly cool and really, really safe. So if anybody listening is thinking or has ever thought of going to South Korea or never thought of going to South Korea, I'm going to encourage you to go. It's such a magical, 
amazing, enchanting place. I mean, there's palaces. Oh, this one day, a lot of the palaces are over in Seoul, like the main ones, that the main touristy ones. And then there's a temporary palace in Suwon where we met my son. So the main reason that we went to South Korea is that my son is stationed at Camp Humphreys there. He's an orthopedic specialist. He's stationed over at the hospital. There's two hospitals. There's a combat hospital and a civilian hospital. So we got lucky to be able to see him for one day because right after we made plans to go to Korea, my son wrote me and said, Mom, I'm going to be in a training when you guys get here. So I don't think I'm going to be able to see you. And, you know, I may have said this before, I, I can't remember right now, because my brain is so foggy with this COVID. But if you've ever heard that army saying of hurry up and wait, and there's a lot of truth to that. So I thought, well, we'll see what it's like when we get out there. He might not be in this training after all, or they might change the dates. So we did get to spend a day with him and we hiked around Suwon Hwasong Fortress Wall and crossed over the Suwon Chon stream. It was really beautiful. A lot of the restaurants, they just have pictures, like big giant pictures on banners outside of their establishments. And we walked past a restaurant that looked freaking amazing, whatever it was that they had, you know. We get in there and it turned out to be this really authentic Korean barbecue place. So we spent a couple of hours at a table grilling our own steaks that they brought over and this giant hot pot bowl. Korean portions are enormous. Like you will be stuffed everywhere that you eat. And that's another reason why I recommend like eating the local food is because you're going to get these huge portions of food that like you can't stop eating. But I just couldn't do it. It was so much food. And some of those broths, like the udon soups, the hot pots and all of these different soups that they serve there, some of those broths take two to three days for them to make them. They're just very intricate culinary masterpieces when they show up at your table. And it's just really good food. So there was that. And then in Busan, talk about whimsy. And this is everywhere. That's one of the things that's really embedded in the culture is all of these whimsical, beautiful places. Everywhere you go, it's really pretty. And even in the city, like where you see those businesses that have like five stories of shops. And so they've got billboards and banners all over and there are narrow alleys in between and you know, like the stuff that you see in, in movies, even those places like you walk down those alleys, and they are so clean. And everybody's got flowers growing out in front and pots. And it's really a cool place. So one of the whimsical things was in Busan, on Meepo Beach, between Meepo and Changsapo Beach, I think is what it was called, there is this sky capsule. And there are these little teeny tiny cars that take you on a little monorail right along the ocean. And it's about 30 minutes. And you're looking out over pine tree canopy and this craggy, rugged, rocky beach below you. It was one of the most relaxing things. It's like, you know, something that you would see at an amusement park. But you just go and 
ride this pretty much any time. It's just kind of part of their culture. There's a little table in the middle and a lot of people will take their lunch or they'll have coffee. And it was just such a lovely ride. And again, the cleanliness, people get off. There's somebody there wiping everything down, making sure that it's super clean. You get on and it smells like citrus fruits and flowers. I mean, it's an intoxicating scent. Everything is so clean. So it was, as you can hear, I'm just waxing and waning poetic. It was such an incredible trip. There are things that, like I said, with the mayo, so there's things that you kind of have to get used to. They don't really have salad. I was really surprised. There's a couple of places where they cater a little bit more to Americans or foreigners who tend to eat more salads. And so you can just grab a salad off of a shelf, but they're not the same as some salad place that you would go to here. Very uh, minimal. The main vegetables that they have are cabbage and spring onions and radishes like these pickled radishes. And so there was this one restaurant that we went to where they served two different radishes. And it's something that I don't normally eat. And the radishes are really different. Like they're enormous, you know, they're like, I don't know, the size of a cantaloupe or something. They're just gigantic. I don't know what kind of radishes they are. And they pickle them and I just thought, you know, well, I know it's going to be good, but it's not going to be anything like crazy good. I could not believe the subtle artistry of the flavors infused into these two radishes. The yellow one had like mandarin, but not in a like, it's really hard to describe. It was subtle. It was a little perfumey. It was incredible. Like it made my eyes open up really like, what is this amazing thing that I have in my mouth? And then I went to try the white one. And that one had been infused with I want to say like jasmine. I was so full from that meal. That's probably my favorite meal there. But I could have eaten like three more servings of this. It was it was just really super good. And even though they don't have a whole lot of produce, their pride and joy is their strawberries. Everybody was so nice. And even though there was a struggle with the language barrier. So many people were really helpful. And there were a couple of times where we were trying to figure out the bus system, you know, like which bus are we supposed to get on? And they do have these maps on every bus stop where it's like, okay, well, this bus goes here and this bus goes there. And some of it is in English. A lot of it, of course, is in Korean. And we were talking to each other going, oh, well, I think this bus is not going to the right place. And it was somewhere where you could pick up like five different buses. This was in Suwon. And this girl was standing next to us, overheard us and just started speaking excellent English. And that's the other thing they'll tell you, oh, you know, I speak very little English. And it's freaking amazing. I'm like, wow, that's, that's a little I'm embarrassed at the amount of Spanish. And I you know, like that was actually my first language. I don't use it very often. And so I've forgotten a lot of it. I'm not super comfortable with it, I would say, you know, but I, I guess I feel like they do when you know, somebody says, Do you speak Spanish? And I go, Oh, just a little bit. And then I start speaking. They're like, you speak really good Spanish. 
and they spoke really good English. And so she told us when you see this color and it's over on this side of the graph, this means you are here and everything below that tells you where this bus is going. And she was so helpful. So as you can tell, I thoroughly loved my visit to Korea. But there were a couple of things, you know, like they do, they have a lot of demonstrations, especially over by the palaces and city hall. And they're very loud. Uh, they're political demonstrations. So there's a lot of stuff that's going on there. You see a huge police presence. It wasn't like riots or anything like anywhere remotely like that. They're actually sanctioned demonstrations. So they'll have a street that's blocked off for several blocks and then lots and lots and lots of chairs. They'll even have like, it looked like they had carpet rolled out, lots of chairs, people show up, they have speakers, they have video cameras, uh, the whole thing. It's like this huge production. And the police officers end up kind of helping the tourists a lot, you know, like people are constantly running up to them going, how do I get to here? How do I get to there? So there is that. And the last night that we were there, we were packing, we had brought our food back to our hotel so that we could eat and pack. And we start hearing this rock concert because our hotel was directly across from City Hall. And by the time we got downstairs to go and check it out, they were already packing up. So the demonstrations end pretty early, I'm going to say like eight o'clock, but they are really loud. And you know, you, you could get a free concert out of it. And then the other thing that just blew me away, stuff that you never think of, I got an extreme warning on my phone. And it was like, you know, like here in LA, where you get an amber alert or something like that. So my phone starts going off and there's this little window that popped up completely in Korean. And so I'm telling you this story so that if you're in another country and one of those little alerts pops up on your phone, like translate it so you could see what it is. And I just thought, oh, somebody must be lost somewhere. And I took it off of my phone and deleted it because we were going to bed. I mean, I think the morning came in like at 930 at night or something. So we weren't going to be outside. So I figured I'm deleting it. And then we were on our way to Suwon. And as we're walking down the street, I see across the street, like this, it wasn't even a cloud. It was like this heavy amoeba-like dust pile rising up into the air where there's like all of these people on the others. It wasn't over on our side, but immediately I thought I need to put a mask on. It was, it was so anomalous and bizarre. I, I've never seen anything like that. Well, actually I have, I, you know, driving through Arizona desert, like right after a monsoon and the wind was picking up the sand and like literally levitating it off of the ground. And it was that sort of thing. But I didn't think that there was that much wind. Again, it's springtime there. And so there were a couple of days where it rained on us, but not nothing crazy. And there were some windy days, especially in Busan, because that is right by the beach. But this was really bizarre. Uh, we were in Seoul at that time. And so we were on our way to Suwon and going to meet my son. And I just completely forgot about it. And then like a few days later, I get another one of these alerts. 
And by that time, I was like, you know, I probably should see what this is. I mean, we're in a different part of the world. I don't know if they have amber alerts or silver alerts or what here. And we translated it and it was a yellow dust warning. So one of the things that happens in Asia, and I guess especially in Korea, is this yellow dust that is generated from the Mongolian desert when these really powerful cyclones strike the sand there. The wind blows towards Korea and it ends up infiltrating the city, the whole country. And so people are told to put masks on. They're told to stay indoors, not go out unless they absolutely have to. And if they're going to go out, make it brief, wear a mask. This dust, apparently, from everything that I've read, and it hasn't been all Korean sources, it's been like all kinds of different sources, it brings like parasites and bacteria and viruses, and it causes lung inflammation, and all of this stuff. And I'm like, oh my god, I walked past that freaking dust that one day. And I didn't put my mask on because we were in such a rush to, you know, we were just like very preoccupied with trying to find the bus that we needed to go on and figuring out where we were going and and just all of this new stimulus that we were experiencing being in a different country, I didn't put my mask on. And I'm like, what if I'm going to die? What what if I now have some, you know, horrible bacteria in my lungs or something? Here I am with COVID. Um, That was quite early on in our trip. And so I really doubt that this is where that came from. But I've never heard of yellow dust. I've never heard of this. And apparently it's due to deforestation. So Korea and China are working together to try to reforest that area to extend the edge of where the plants stop. And the problem is that when these winds are really super powerful, so they're just toppling a lot of these trees and two, the, the amount of dust there on the edge is just undermining these trees' ability to thrive or or even survive. So it's not enough of an effort. And, you know, we just did this deep dive. We just did this deep dive into it because it was like, what the heck is this? We've never even heard of yellow dust. The winds can blow it all the way to the United States. And I'm like, we're right on the West Coast. Like, nobody ever told us this. So... That was really eye-opening. And I think that's one of the things about travel that is really important, you know, like when learning about another culture, but learning about these phenomena that happen elsewhere in the world that we are just completely oblivious or ignorant to. I mean, it just was something we'd never heard of. And also doing some deep dives into the political protests that were going on or the demonstrations that were happening and learning a bit about Korean culture. And, and then, you know, just again, the, the whimsy, it's everywhere. It is everywhere. Like they plant trees and a lot of plants everywhere to keep the greenhouse gases down and cool off the city. So it's just really a beautiful place to be at. And again, it's not without its problems, just like anywhere else in the world. But it was it was a wonderful, wonderful trip. So I'll post some pictures on the social media sites. And I think as much as I wanted to put up the next in the company of friends talk, 
that I had, uh, the next one that's coming up is going to be with my friend Ed Thompson. Um, that one's probably going to have to wait until next week. I'm so sorry, Ed. Simply because I went really long with my tales of travel here. But I, you know, I would really recommend going to places that people don't have on their radar for whatever reason. This was a really special trip to me. I got to see my son. I got to visit a part of the world that is so different from the United States. I have, (laughs) this is funny. I was paying so much attention to Korean fashion. They are so elegant and chic. And it's all just this very simple but elegant dress. Everybody's wearing trench coats and tennis shoes uh, with really nice clothing. And they're super nice tennis shoes. So one of the problems is that everything is Korean sized over there. So when you go to the store, I have a size nine foot. (laughs) Most of the shoes don't fit. And in fact, it was pretty funny because you go in and they have these malls that are just a big giant room and a bunch of little storefronts within there. And so we were looking at one of the shoe vendors, a bunch of vendors, I should say, not storefronts, but like a bunch of vendors that are in there. And so we were looking at a shoe vendor's stall and I picked up a couple of shoes and the guy was on the phone and he just kind of looked over at us and kept talking. And I was like, I wonder if he's going to come over because I want to ask him if this shoe is in my size. And he just kept talking and talking. So we walked away and went to the next shoe vendor. And this guy's like, sit down, I'm going to find you your shoe. He could not find a shoe in my size. Okay, if you want to go somewhere where like they they were all so nice, but if you want to go somewhere where you're going to feel like way too big in every way, it was in a funny way. Like nobody made me feel uncomfortable. So this guy can't find the shoe in my size. And he goes, he goes, don't worry. He was so determined to sell me a shoe. So he starts coming over with these other shoes. And I'm like, no, I don't want those shoes. I want this shoe. And he's like, I, you know, I don't have it in your size. And all of a sudden, he like starts throwing men's shoes my way. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, thank you so much. He actually followed us around a couple of times running over with like, oh, I found this shoe. What do you think of this one? And I'm like, no, thank you very much for your efforts. But I realized that the guy didn't get off of his phone because he looked over and he was like, I don't have any shoes in this lady's size. Like they're, you know, my shoes only go so big. But now that I'm back in the States, I went online, found a couple of shoes that I saw over there and I've ordered them. And just this idea that I want to emulate some of that elegance that I saw there. I mean, just kind of think a lot of the the women just kind of think to a little bit of Grace Kelly, but modernized a little and the guys too, you know, they're like a lot of them were in suits and these nice shoes or these, these fancy tennis shoes. And everything's super inexpensive there. That's the thing, you know, that was one of the things that my son said, you know, it's going to be a a big shock when I go back to the States. And that was already like the night that I finally ordered food, our first night back, that ran us $60 just for the two of us. And I'm looking at the receipts from Korea. 
just to make sure that, you know, there wasn't any overcharges, that I recognized everything that was on there because one of my credit cards on the very first day I was there. So I don't know that I'm going to say it it didn't happen there. Uh, Anyway, it got hijacked. The charges that the fraud alert department told me about were for American companies. So it had to have happened over here. But you know, it's always a good idea to keep all of your receipts, compare it to your statements, make sure that everything matches. And in doing that, it was like the most expensive meal for like way more food than what we had ordered was $26 for the two of us. So like less than half the amount of what I paid for a meal here. It is, it's a little bit of a shock. Everything is really inexpensive over there. I hope that you enjoyed my ramblings about my fun adventure in Korea. Check out the show notes. I'm going to add some selected links. Also go on the socials. I'm going to start adding some pictures now that I've had a little bit of time to go through them when my energy is up and also take a moment to rate this episode because your rating really does help move this podcast closer to the top of searches so that my friends and I can reach more people. I'm looking forward to sharing more upcoming in the company of friends talks with you. So be sure to follow me on the socials and the dot com all at the Queen Trail podcast. That's T-H-E-Q-U-A-I-N-T-R-E-L-L-E podcast. I am Syl Annan, the Queen Trail, and until next time, I wish you passion, grace, adventure, travel, elegance, and beauty.